Our goal hasn't changed since 2009. We support, promote, engage, and inspire the arts community by igniting the ghost light that shines on the stages of the up-and-coming, the unsung heroes, the brilliant writers, and the dynamic designers. Stay tuned. Rep Radio is on the air. Welcome to Rep Radio. I'm your host, Darnell Radford, and today, uh, thanks to the wonders of technology, I am here <laughs> in the studio, and I am connected to uh, director Jarrell Henderson. Uh, Jarrell, welcome to Rep Radio. Hello, Darnell. Believe. It's good to be here. I cannot believe it took nine seasons to get, <laughs> to get you on Rep Radio. And, uh, yeah, well, I haven't been in town. I know, but, you know, that's not, that's not an excuse. There have been many times uh, we've passed each other in different cities, like just yeah. randomly. Like, hey, what are you doing here? What are you yeah, doing exactly. here? <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, how's it going? Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 had, I had the opportunity to experience Caged at Passage Theater, and I said, this is a great opportunity to sit down and have a chat with you. So I'm glad we were able to make this work. <laughs> I, I am too. I'm really, really glad this worked out. Yes, yes. So uh, since this is your first time on Rep Radio. Yeah, uh, how does this work? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, I... Okay, so I grew up in Philadelphia. That's where I'm from originally and where I started to experience theater um, and uh, worked as a performer for the first half of my life uh, and went to school and then uh, in the early aughts kind of fell into teaching and, and directing and directing felt right in a way that performing didn't at that time. And so I went in that direction and, and my life kind of went on from there. So I began directing at the Walnut Street Theater in their education department. I would direct the outreach shows, mm -hmm. which was kind of a full circle moment for me because I was an acting apprentice and I performed the outreach shows. So I eventually, yeah. I started out as a performer and then went on to direct the performers. Um, uh, and I began to direct around town as much as I could. I uh, directed two plays at Allen's Lane. Uh, really, really excited I got to do that and uh, AD'd as much as I could. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter Delorier at The Lantern. It's his way Bonsi is dead. It's, uh, how I met Forrest McClendon, who's been a really great friend and mentor of mine throughout my life. Um, and so I decided I wanted to be a little bit stronger in directing, or I wanted to kind of, you know, sharpen my skills. And so I went back to school. Uh, I went to Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. And I uh, was an MFA director there and eventually graduated and uh, since then have done uh, some teaching and some directing. I've been doing a little bit more directing uh, now, but uh, like I support myself basically by teaching and directing. That's kind of what I do. Yep. It's always great to hear that an artist is a working artist. So congratulations <laughs> on that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, so I, I took a trip to Trenton. Um, by the way, it's only a couple of blocks from the train station. There's literally mm -hmm. no excuse uh, to not make it uh, make a trip to Trenton and uh, experience Passage Theater's production of Caged. Um, and it's written by the New Jersey Prison Cooperative. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Caged. Okay. Uh, so the play, the play, I guess, as a working piece of theater, uh, began as uh, a class uh, taught by Chris Hedges, who is a journalist, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, 
who taught a class inside the New Jersey prison system. In this class a few years ago, he had the inmates write a play. And uh, as they were reading pieces of, uh, I guess it began as monologues about their lives or dramatized moments or scenes about their lives. And as they begin to read the material they generated, uh, Chris thought there's something special here. Um, and one of the things that they um, wrote as a part of kind of why they were why they uh, were writing this dramatic material, at least for them, making it more than an assignment, um, they wrote a dedication that kind of states that, you know, a lot of the world has forgotten about them. And this mm-hmm. was a way that they could maintain humanity. Uh, it was a way that they could showcase their humanity by telling these stories, by fusing these stories together into what would eventually become the story of Omar Moore, uh, who's the uh, the protagonist of Caged. And so it starts as this kind of idea, and Chris feels there's something there. And so he uh, reaches out to folks that he knows that finds its way to Passage Theater under the former artistic director, June Ballinger. And uh, they begin to develop it, and it goes through this pretty prolongated development process until uh, eventually uh, C. Ryan Dominguez becomes the new artistic director, and they're ready to produce it, They but they need a director. They've never had a director attached to it. And so then I am brought on as director. And so when I read the script, I took a look at it. I had never seen a play about black life or even just people of color that uh, made such a point of showcasing how human the characters are. Um, You know, these aren't kind of happy-go-lucky people dealing with average circumstances. You know, these aren't charming people who are just kind of living their life. They're human beings who are caught up in very specific circumstances. And the play is about watching them deal with that, you know, and the good and the bad and the ugly, you know, uh, showcasing all of it. And so um, Cage became a really, really special project for all of us only because in witnessing the story of how Omar gets from being an ex-con to being back into the prison system to being released back into the world at the end of the play, you really get to see the journey of someone trying to hold on to a humanity that they know is there. Um, and watching it be stripped away and then watching others from a place of radical love uh, support their humanity. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, you know, there, there are moments in that play that I've never seen on stage before. Uh, and just the way that, you know, so often the way that characters of color are portrayed you know, it's it's always from a place of, you know, I, I guess the victimization of the black body, the victimization of the black mind. And that's a part of the story, but that's not the only part of the story. Um, and I don't, I don't, even though I'm aware that as a black body, I am part of a history that has been victimized, I don't move through life with an awareness that I am a victim. I, I move through life with this idea of, the fact that I'm a full human being who's surviving in a world in which these circumstances are put on me. And so a lot of what Cage has to offer spoke to that in a way that I've just never witnessed before. And I, I really wanted to be a part of that process. I really, really was glad that Ryan invited me into that process. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm running with notes right now as you're talking. <laughs> Cause I was, I'm just, I'm sort of breaking down the piece so I, I do a different interview uh, before I've seen the show. It's more about discovery. I'm trying to think of what should I be looking for or what can we expect, but I've already seen the show. So <laughs> now the conversation is kind of weaving around things that ultimately you really should experience in the theater uh, without necessarily giving away the story. But of right. course, I know out of sequence, you will not get enough of this explanation to say, oh, I don't have to go because this is there. <laughs> but um, so I I thought I thought this was such an interesting, accessible piece. There were so many um, moments where I said, you know, this 
piece may not be for that traditional theater audience. This mm. piece is for everyone else. This is for mm. the next door neighbor of the theater. This is for the people who live down the street. This is for families who who have been um, affected by, as as stated in the description, America's for-profit justice system, who may not think that necessarily the theater is a place where they can go for a little bit of, uh, you know, understanding and kind of process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I took a lot of that from this. Um, what were you, when did you get involved with Cage? And what was your first impression of the of the piece? I became uh, uh, was invited into the process in January, uh, so that gives you a little bit of a window of of uh, what my contribution to the process was in, ter- in terms of a timeline. We opened uh, last weekend, and I've been on this since January, so just a couple months. And my first impression, uh, you know, I read the first act, and I thought, oh, okay. You know, I'm not quite sure. There, I mean, there's something there. You know, I, I dig the characters, but I'm not sure. And then when I read the second act, there's a moment, and, and you know, <laughs> because you've seen it, there's a moment in act two uh, in which there is this really great gesture of love, and it's not based on sexual exploitation, and it's not based in romance. It is radical love. The one character has nothing to gain out of showing love to this other inmate, and he does anyway. And in doing that, he honors their common humanity. And that was the moment where, you know, I said in another interview, you know, I kind of looked at my husband and went, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to Trenton. (laughs) I'm going to be in Trenton for a couple of weeks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because I, you know, I've been invited into this process, and I, and I, I want to be a part of this process. So yeah. that that was my first reaction to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it, I, I think it's so interesting that um, there that this co- cooperative exists. Yeah. Um, you know, pairing uh, sort of trained artists with people who just have stories to tell and figuring out how to craft this into something that is shareable and relevant and real. And letting it be what it needs to be. You know, walking into the process, one of the greatest lessons I learned um, from my my grad school uh, experience, I had a class, it was a playwright and director class. It was taught by Rebecca Gilman. um, And one of the things that she really honed on, it is not our job as directors to fix a playwright's play. It is not our job to come in, you know, with our bucket of art and, and pour it all over the artist's work. You find out what is the story that the playwright, or in this case, playwrights are interested in telling. What are they mm-hmm. trying to get to? And then sharing that. And part of that is also understanding the audience and the politics of, you know, whatever theater community you're in. But it's really, really about about getting to the heart of the story that's there, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm drafting another note here. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I I made a note of uh, vicious circles. And mm, yeah. they're so apparent, like, just from the beginning. Um, you know, we lights up on a home that, you know, uh, is prep preparing for dinner. It's, uh, multi-generational. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, we've got some, um, older children who probably should be out on their own, but circumstances don't allow for that necessarily. We've got some, yeah. uh, we've got a newborn, uh, who's in the mix here. We've got the, aging uh, parents who are, you know, somewhat estranged in a way, but Hmm. you can tell that there's still love there, even though they have every right to part ways (laughs) from each other in in that moment. I kept seeing like this, oh my God, I'm trying to think like maybe that this is someone in my this is someone in my family line where we're just like, I don't know why you waste time with this person. You're still, you're still holding on to that little bit of something. 
that this yeah. person has when they have not necessarily given up, but just do no, no longer hold you in a level of priority. And that's the outside, surf, that's the surface explanation. But then there's so much dialogue in there that explains, uh, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, Bad on the names of the characters, but let's, <laughs> I'll talk help about you the, out. let's talk about the father for a second. Jimmy, um, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy has Jimmy has this great uh, Jimmy has this great moment with his wife, where uh, he they're arguing about him not being there, and he's yeah he's talking to her about how he's tried to be there how he's had these jobs that didn't pay anything and how, uh, you know, the opportunities just weren't there for him. And, uh, you know, when I was hearing those moments, I'm, I could hear a lot of people in the audience just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of response like that. And so to hear, to see that back and forth, it's like you, it's not that he doesn't want to be, it's that he's trying to escape the world that has forgotten him or sort of left him behind in a sense. But it's, it's all about him in this moment because I feel like, um, at least in African American families, I feel like everyone can relate to the phrase, uh, you take care, uh, it, it's, you take care of home, but at the same time, it's sort of this thought of if you, if you can't take care of yourself first, how can you take care of anybody else? And yeah, I, also I true. feel like yeah. he's stuck in that moment where he has to figure out how to take care of himself or how to move forward so that he can be a father. Exactly. And I think I, I agree with everything you just said. And I think that the point that you just made is also where uh, the, uh, his wife, Shamine, who's, you know, the mother of this family is coming from when she's pushing back against that. Because quite frankly, the reasons why he, why, the reasons he lists, while they are accurate, he's been listing those for a long time. Yeah. And so you have her challenging that. You know what I mean? From, from yeah. her perspective, she, it's, <laughs> she gets that. You know, mm -hmm. he's not saying anything that she hasn't experienced to be true. But like you just said, you know, at what point? Yeah. You know, how long is that going to be the reason why <laughs> he can't get his act together? Yeah. You know, and you have this really, it's such a really great, again, human moment. Like, you know, usually, you know, um, of this black family on stage having this very real argument where one of them is struggling with addiction has been for a long time. And that addiction sets certain things into motion. You know, it forces the children to then go out into the streets and to do things that maybe they wouldn't do. Uh, one of the conversations we had during the workshops was, you know, uh, Boris Franklin, who's one of the performers in the show, but also was one of the inmates who helped to write the script, you know, telling us kind of, you know, how how young people find their way onto the streets in order to make money. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's picking up the slack of parents who are yeah. there, who yeah. are not there or who are there, but for one reason or another can't or won't support their family. Mm -hmm. um, and so that becomes a part of their reality that they have to deal with. That's part of their given circumstances, you know? Yeah, definitely. And uh, so, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to jump all over the place because you have <laughs> to come see this in its chrono chronological order. Uh, um you know, we see uh, Sharonda, the sister. Uh, mm -hmm. She's um, she's making dinner for the family, and uh, and the mom, uh, Shamine, she's she's taking care of uh, she's taking care of uh, the baby uh, Omar's baby. Yeah, Zaire. Yeah, taking care of Omar's baby. Beautiful uh, name. And yes, yes, definitely. And they're waiting and they're waiting for Omar to come home so that they can have dinner. Yeah. Is, and he doesn't always come home. That's the yes. thing. So they mentioned that. <laughs> and, and even though the and even though the family is struggling and you know, sort of splintered, they still they still hold out. It's like they still hold out for this we have dinner as a family. Yeah, you're you're not going to come in later and make a plate, you know. 
we're going to wait for you to come and have dinner with all of us. And he, he comes in like a bull in a china shop because he's, <laughs> he, he's young and full of bravado. Um, but then they all sit down and have this, they have this, uh, you know, this basic meal and have a real family conversation. Absolutely. You know, this back and forth, Quan talks about his, uh, his interest in bowling, <laughs> which is funny because they make these jokes. Man, black people don't bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really great, it's a really great go-to, you know. There's, Quan is such a special character. Um, he is, he Because is. in my experience, as both an African-American performer and director, um, and in some cases, uh, professor, uh, I am constantly met with people who have these one-dimensional ideas of what it means to be a brown body in an inner city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in South Philadelphia. Like, I'm an inner city kid. Um, you know, and I know that my life and the way that my life tracks doesn't fit where a lot of people would would want to place me. And so to have this young person in this play who in some ways is the opposite of everything you would expect to find, boom. Again, yeah. that's how we strike at, that's how we, again, strike at this narrative of reclaiming a narrative of reclaiming humanity in the way that stories are told about people of color. It's, it's yeah. just wonderful. And you immediately sense in that dialogue, at least from Quan, that that Quan could do great things if he could just get out from under this cloud that mm-hmm. his family appears to be stuck under. And, uh, and, and that is just so, <laughs> well, they've been protecting him from it. Yeah. They've, they've been, been actively protecting him from falling into the same traps that they have all fallen into, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yes, yeah, definitely. And I, so I definitely saw like a, you know, went back to vicious circles. I thought that, that Quan was, you know, we were seeing how Quan enters into the system and, you know, it takes it takes this interesting and and uh, tragic turn uh, for that particular uh, moment. But the 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 circle is more about um, is more about Jimmy and Omar. Correct. Their connect their connection and how how they they're both struggling. I mean, you could argue that both of them as men and as fathers were not quite ready uh, to be parents uh, in their time. So they've made the choices that they've made in attempts to kind of uh, not cut corners, if you will. Not, well, I don't know if cut corners is the right thing, but just how can I get five steps ahead? They're the trying same? to survive. Yes, Exactly. You know, how can, but how can I get ahead quickly so that I can catch up? Because yeah. I think they both they both understand how behind they are. Yeah, and and it's just so frustrating for for them, especially when you walk out of your house every day, expecting some oppor- or you know hoping that some opportunity will come your way, and then it doesn't. You're just met with opposition, uh, and at every turn. You know, imagine how that would make you feel if you came back home to a family yeah. thinking that you went out to do right by them and, you know, just ready to welcome you back with open arms. But you've been beaten down by the world. And, uh, you know, so when you come home, that creates for explosive episodes and, yeah. and moments yeah. of, um, of, of that where that struggle hits. Uh, center stage. Absolutely. And they're all dealing with that to an extent. And so you get to see the different ways they all carry that. They don't all handle what they have to deal with the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to try to get to all the, at least the core family here. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> we have, uh, so I mentioned uh, Sharonda. Sharonda, is, uh, yeah. She's, she's making dinner and um, there's you know she's she's also she's making dinner. She's taking care of mom. She's also uh, sort of like second in command when it comes to the desire. <laughs> you know, yeah. in a sense, they're they're both trying to keep house. They're trying to keep the home together, 
And uh, there's conversation about, like, just the various things they had to do to just make all of this, this little bit happen here. She has a great, she has a great monologue in the second act. Lord, where, yes. Where she just takes <laughs> us all to school about her, talk. her perspective. Let's and, talk about Sharonda's monologue. <laughs> yes, yes, go ahead. Um, no, the, the only thing um, that, you know, the play is, you know, has been a work in progress for a long time. And so uh, one of one of the things that, you know, if, if this were ever done again, I would love to see more is um, it's kind of, you know, oh, is there any way we can have more of that, of, of mm-hmm. more of, of her voice or her perspective? Um, because you it, it is significant, at least to me, it was significant in her monologue in the second act, because up until that point, you realize that we kind of lost track of her. Yeah. And then you see what she's been experiencing. You know, while we've been watching Omar's journey, she's been living her life too. Yeah. You know, you could write a whole play about what she was dealing with, you know, with her it's parents. Like meanwhile, and back in Sharonda land. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because it's not the way that this world operates. Doesn't, even though Omar and Jimmy become the primary focus, it is not limited to Omar and Jimmy. And other people are still living lives. And, and being affected by the fact that Omar, you know, ends up back in the system. Um, and so it's a really great way to go, hey, just so you know, the thing that you're witnessing play out this way, it's playing out in a different way over here. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I mean, it's just the beauty and the genius of the monologue. And, of course, Nicolette, who's the, the actor who played it, oh, man, I just... <laughs> You know, I, felt like, he, I felt like I saw her on a stage somewhere, and I was like, how do I know her? Blue Sky. Blue Sky oh, at the Arden. Oh, my God, that's right. That's she is right. a shapeshifter. <laughs> She's wonderful. She can do anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm, I'm standing in my office applauding quietly right now. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so glad. That is that Nicolette. Is, that is who she is. <laughs> wonderful because uh, in this community uh there we have like this we have this core group of african-american artists that we see on every stage and then we have we have a couple that just kind of shine in the moment Mm -hmm. and and appear to kind of like disappear yeah i've I've seen in the past couple of seasons I, i i was like well first of all where did these where did these young adults come from and how do I see more of them? And then if I don't see them in the next season, I'm like, were you not paying attention? Were you not at the Mm. show that I was at where they left it all on stage? Like, I feel like we should be clamoring to get them to be a part of our shows. Mm. Like, what are we doing? Oh, I'm so glad that 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 connection was made. I knew I saw her somewhere and I I just thought she was wonderful in that role. Oh, Absolutely. So yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, I don't want to go too much into detail because I don't want to give away yeah, yeah, too much, definitely. but I mean, it is in, in a show that is full of strong performances, <laughs> you know, and in my opinion, I mean, I'm biased, but in my opinion, they are all giving strong performances. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, her moment in that too is by, by far a standout moment mm-hmm. um, in terms of storytelling and, you know, just a dynamic, dynamic stage event, her coming in and just filling in a part of the story that has yet to be filled in. Here's something else that's going on that you haven't been aware of that I'm going to make you aware of because it's necessary that you be made aware of it. And then, you know, you know, yeah. then we, we kind of pick back up. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, so I also pointed out, I, I was pointing out in my notes that, um, they are strong women, mm-hmm. but the world is testing them at every turn. Without you know? question. So it's not like it's not like these are weak women getting getting beaten down by the fact that they are weak. Uh, these are strong women, like trying to, <laughs> trying to fight against the world and and uh, still still getting beat down by it all. Uh, it yeah. for various ways. It's not all. It's not all. Um, I mean, it 
it all kind of calls back to the justice system, but not everything, not everything they have to encounter has to do specifically with that. Absolutely, because when you talk about the system and how it operates, it is so, it is so incredibly diverse and has so many different ways. I mean, you think about all the ways that you can get sucked into um, the justice system. Um, I mean, there are just so many ways that you can fall victim to it. It's not one or two things, and if you just avoid those things, you'll be okay. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, there's, yeah. There's a, uh, there's a moment where, um, okay, so Quan has to, Quan has to get in this mix, but very briefly. He gets yeah. in this mix, and I, I forget the name of the guy that he's opposite in this moment where he. Uh, uh, Shorty? Shorty, yes. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah Andrew so, is the actor, yeah. <laughs> Shorty has. Shorty has this this uh, great dialogue that basically talks about materialism and how that visual leads to trouble. And uh, you know, when he talks about what he just purchased, and so yeah, he's like, "Are you trying to get us in trouble?" Like it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had this. Quan is asking all, all the time. right questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've we've had this conversation all the time. Like we'll see in an area that is um, less than desirable in our own neighbor, and here in Philadelphia, you'll see like these fancy cars, or you'll see like someone who, instead of getting out of this tough neighborhood, uh, went and bought went and bought the newest shoes, or um, mm. is driving the flashiest car. And it's like it's like that materialism uh, adjusts the priorities in a way that's troubling as well. Because yeah, it's like if you had the money to get this new car, couldn't you get up out of here, out of this situation? Like it's it's kind of like being in the casino and you're up, like you're winning, and instead of like realizing that you have more money right now than you had walking in. I should just leave right now. <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a moral call in terms of, like, you shouldn't be spending your money this way. I think he's just, if you're going to break the law, at least try to be smart about the way you break the law. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, we're, you know, we're out here all the time <laughs> doing suspicious things. Yes. Why would you go out of your way to draw attention to yourself? You know what I mean? Because um, he, he actually, earlier in the play, kind of encourages Omar to do a similar thing. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, um, and so it's not just a moral judgment. It's, it's you know, he's he's would be a more practical, I guess, criminal is a way to go about it. You know what I mean? Um, there's a line in, what is it? I think it's American Gangster. You know, the Denzel Washington character says to the brother... You know, it's like the, the, you know, the loudest guy is the weakest guy or something like that. You know, it's like if you're going to be at this level, you can't be the person who draws attention to what you're doing. You have to be smart about it. Um, you know, you have to plan your steps. Uh, and Shorty is such a great character because Shorty is just fully in the moment of who he is and what he's doing. And he's not necessarily trying to look three, four, five years down the road. No one has probably taught him how to do that. And so he lives fully in the life that he's living. And that's an actual perspective as well. And so without judgment, we place those two perspectives together as, again, a reflection of the kind of world that this is. It's a world that, it, that has room for all of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also noticed that, uh, the, the family bond, uh, the family bond is there even, even inside of the justice system. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a great choice to have the same actor play, uh, to play two characters, uh, (laughs) well, to play Jimmy and, uh, how do you say his name? Ogiery. Ogeré, yeah, uh, Ogeré, yeah. because he's, in that sense, the father figure he wanted, yep. or would have been better off having, he gets in the prison system instead of getting out in real life, which would have kept him out of the prison system to begin with. 
Absolutely. There are many oh. ironies in this world. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that was so sad. Um, the, okay, the Godfather. Oh, yeah, uh, Slash, Slash or Uncle Bip. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I just had, I almost wanted to stand up. There's this, uh, he has a monologue. And well, it's yep. kind of, well, not necessarily it's a monologue. This, yeah. That exchange, that scene about the shank. Where I was Ugh. just, oh, right here, this is why we're here. This whole yes. entire piece is why we're here. And in that moment, uh, um, my eyes are welling up. I'm just, I'm ready to just disrupt this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this right here, this right here, this moment right here is what it all means. And, uh, yeah, I just thought there were so many wonderful elements of this piece to uh, to really focus on and to really, uh, like you said, um, you could follow Sharonda down a whole different path. It'd be a totally different play. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, you can take all these characters and follow them. Like, where does, where does Jimmy go when he leaves the house? You know, and really, oh, yeah. really this follow is an H- him. This is an HBO or Showtime series, yes. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> From the producers Because um, it's of? such a full world. It's such a full world. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, I thought, what were, um, what, I mean, you were there for, you were there for the previews, they were there for opening. I'm, I'm assuming you're not there for every single night, but. Uh, no, I'm back in Chicago. Oh, okay, yeah. So, okay. yeah, I'm back home. What were some of the responses that you received from the audience in, in your time in the theater? Uh, well, you know, it didn't hurt that we got standing ovations for every performance that we gave <laughs> um, that weekend. Um, that was certainly gener- uh, encouraging. Um, yeah. But more than that, um, the second preview like the first preview went well and people went out and there was a buzz um but the second preview people didn't want to leave the lobby because they were so charged up so from engaged. what they had just seen yeah um and similarly with opening night um which was saturday night this past saturday night again um there was really, really, there was vibrant conversation following and people going, wait a minute, there's not a post show. Where's the post yeah. show? I need to, <laughs> I, I need to do something with, with what I'm feeling, you know, yeah, I'm feeling yeah. so many things. Um, I, I and so that was encouraging. Like that. Um, it was encouraging to see, you know, Boris Franklin, who again was one of the inmates who helped write the play inside, is now outside. He goes to Rutgers University. He actually got off parole while we were rehearsing. Um, which was extraordinary to, for him to be like, yep, as of today, I'm like, I'm fully out of the system. That's um, to see his family watch him on stage. I'm uh, trying to not get emotional, but to watch his family witness him. And they, they know his journey because they've been there for his life journey and his life journey and all the ups and all the downs and the really, really, um, low point. Now they're they're collected together in a theater, watching him tell a story that is loosely based on his own life, and to watch him be so magnificent. He's done such a wonderful job on stage. Like that's why I wanted to direct the play. That's yeah. what it was about. It was about that moment. And um, there's another showing on the tenth. Um, which uh, is tomorrow, and that showing is also going to be for the families of the men and I imagine some of the women who helped to write this play or contributed to this play. Mm. Um, And I'm sorry that I won't be there to gauge their reactions because really, really, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this, yeah, it's like, it always blows my mind. Like the the same thing, I I felt the same way when I was talking to uh, Cash Owens about five to ten. I was saying like this is not a traditional theater audience. Mm-hmm. And you have their attention. They're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, fully here. I, I always think it's so interesting when we're able to 
we're able to find that audience that isn't just saying what's next on stage uh, and just go like we're finding we're we're finding the specific they're mm, we're finding the right people to tell this story to or to mm-hmm. relate they can relate with this much easier than the seasoned uh theater goer can and yes. uh, so I think I always think the dynamic of that audience um you know, in with a traditional theater audience is always great to see as well. And I hope they yeah. continue to stay. <clears throat> well, you know what? I, I, I've been saying this a lot lately. I think it really comes down to access and value. How mm-hmm. are we creating access for people to find their way into a story? Yes. How do we value the stories that get told? How do we value the voices we allow to tell them? You know, mm, and the yeah. experiences. It's like really access and value. Who are you creating access for and how are you letting them into your work? And how much do, you know, you value, you know, how do you place value on the stories that get to be told? And then the voices and artists and points of view that get to tell them. How do you value, you know, non-traditional audiences, um, you know, enough to, to give you know, to give them something that, that they can want to receive. I mean, I, I wish I knew a, a less indelicate way of putting it, um, but it's something that I think about. It's something that I, I think about a lot um, because I find that a lot of it's, you know, it's a lot of it comes down to value. We have stories that are valued more than other stories. And what does that say about our communities? Yeah. What does that say about us as theater artists who are supposed to be, you know, breaking down walls and, you know, opening doors and, you know, creating spaces to have difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that a play that was written by, you know, 30-some inmates gets produced at a regional theater company and now we're having this conversation? Yeah. You know? I want to be in that space. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I was going to... I was gonna, uh... I was going to wrap this up by saying what, <laughs> what presents a sense of urgency for you as you travel through your life as an artist. And I think you probably just answered it. I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just answered that question. Yeah. But, but that is it. I mean, sometimes like as individuals, we, we do, I think we have a better sense of, I don't know. I, I feel like as, as individuals, we, there's a there's a sense of urgency, but then you attach yourself to the production that has a sense of urgency, which is being produced by the company that has a sense of urgency. So there's these mm-hmm. layers of urgency that have to mesh well together, or uh, or our point will not get across. This message will not be delivered. And absolutely, uh, I just think the journey the journey of Cage is is just as interesting as the final product that we mm-hmm. that we were fortunate enough to see on stage yeah um, what would you say uh what would you say to somebody who's on the fence about coming to experience this production um i'd say take the leap you know like take 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 the leap um you will come back with something it is not a piece. I mean, you've seen it, so you can push back against this if you disagree. I don't think that it is a piece in which you can enter into it and come out of it and not have some kind of thought, some kind of feel, <laughs> some kind of question or statement. I don't think that you can remain neutral. I think that uh, a certain kind of people are going to be perplexed by what we're putting on stage. Um, because they're used to stories being told directly to them, and this isn't one of those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so in that case, it'll be good. It'll be educational. Here's what it's like to enter into a play that's not for you. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What are your questions? And now you can interrogate the why behind those. And for other people, it might just be the kind of theater you've always wanted to see but never got because it was created by people who understood that you know, oftentimes theater is not created for working class people of color who have dealt with these situations. It is created by, you know, for other reasons. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I'm and I'm not feeling any kind of way about about seeing quote unquote myself on stage, uh, but but being detached from this. Like I didn't live these lives, uh, but I recognize these lives. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, and uh, and then it feels, uh, oh man, I mean. I was talking, I mean, I, I think you were sitting right behind me. I went right to you and said, let me make sure I have your number. And so we can, so we can continue yeah. this conversation. Let's talk about this. Yeah, and then I'm walking out into the lobby and I'm, yeah. I'm full of thoughts and we're walking to the car and I'm full of thoughts and we're driving home and I'm still full of thoughts and I'm processing it like throughout the week, just like, just saying like, ah, oh, man. Like this right here, it's so like I'm not even in the moment. I wasn't even saying this is last week. This is, you know, this is this is just that story that we keep that we need to hear so much more about. Like the idea that uh, we have privatized the, the justice system like this. Uh, yep. I mean, it's so it's so problematic. Like, how do we not see this? As, as like the problem of our society. I mean, if you if you open a store, it, it, even if you open a corner store and all you sell is milk, cheese, eggs, and bread, your goal is to sell milk, cheese, eggs, and bread. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that that's what you that's what you open your doors to do. That you close up and you secure all of that. You reopen to sell that. So if you're a prison system, if you're one of these facilities, you're kind of thinking like a hotel where yep. you've got, I mean, like, uh, I believe this, the, there's, a, there's information that says that these facilities have a 90% capacity guarantee, mm. which is terrible to think about. Yeah. Oh, so you're not trying to get any of these people back into society no, living they're there to make money lives. No, they're there to make money and in this play, you see the results of what happens when a family gets caught up in a uh vicious system mm-hmm. that is designed to make money. I mean, and there are lines in the play that speak directly to that in very clear and very straightforward ways. You know, yeah. there's no candied language here. Mm-hmm. It's very straightforward. You and know, the, you know what, what? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and the internal politics of um, of the of the of the prison system, like the the inmates have their own rules, and and the system has <laughs> yes. its own rules, and it's almost there's a system like within saying, the system. Yes, of course. It's, it's almost like saying, "How long is this leash?" <laughs> and everyone's aware that there's a leash. Yep. And it's like in the moment, in the heat of frustration, in the heat of anxiety, you forget that your whole goal is to get out of here. And you just want redemption or you just want justice, but you're inside of the justice system where if you actually seek out justice on your own terms, you'll be in this justice system for the rest Forever. of your life. For yeah. the rest of your natural life. Oh, my God. I can yeah, talk it's, about this forever, yeah. but before we start <laughs> quoting, uh, quoting the piece, <laughs> I know, I, right? I'm We're just so saying, close. like, you know, I am not giving this thing any lip service. I mean, I usually come up with some basic uh, questions that kind of create a flow in a conversation, but I had so much to say about this, and I felt like everyone I came across and said, have you been to Passage Theater? Have you been up there? Mm-hmm. They've got this production on stage that I really think uh, you should experience. Oh, thank you. Oh, my you God. Know, if there's one, one thing I could end on, you know, a friend of mine came, um, and I didn't know this about him, but he had been in, in the game, the, the drug game. I had no idea. I've known, I've known him for years. And after the show, he came and he confided in me. Um, that that was something that he used to do. And there's a moment in which 
um, the brother is having a conversation, Omar is having a conversation with his younger brother, Quan, about it. And he goes, in that moment, it took me back to all the days and all the nights I used to do that. How I used to do that, the detail of what went in that world. And, like, you all capture that. Like, you got it. And, yeah. like, wow. It, it re- you know, it just it reconnected him to something that he had kind of put behind him. You know, we can argue for, for very good reason. But the fact that we were able to tap into a reality that is not often tapped into in a real and genuine way, I mean, that meant, that means the world. So I hope that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm also glad that you experienced it. And I really hope that, that the community continues to show love throughout the run. We run for, I think, two more weekends. Um, and then that's, that's it for, for now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, so make your way to Trenton, whether you drive or take public transportation. Uh, it is two blocks from the train station. You can get to Passage yeah. Theater to experience Cage. It's on stage until May 20th. Uh, you can find out more information by going to Passage Theater, and that's theater, R-E, uh, dot org, uh, to get tickets. And uh, be a part of this conversation. Um, yeah. This is, this is so we want your voice. and so <laughs> real right now. Jarrell, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. And, um, yeah, and uh, thank you for your part in bringing this to the stage. And, um, I mean, I'm not even directly affected, but uh, I can only imagine the people who can actually live uh, directly in this and how, how they're affected by this and the portrayal of all of this on stage is definitely something um, to experience. So uh, thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. It <laughs> means a lot, and I'm, I'm glad I was able to make it to Rep Radio. I've been following you for so long. Yeah. It only took nine seasons, but we're, yeah. we, we were never but listen, we're here. So we'll get back we're here to now. Yes. All right. Thanks all right. a lot, Terrell. Pleasure. Have a good one. All right. You too. Rep Radio continues to be inspired by our community and listeners like you. You can support our work through our fiscal sponsor, Fractured Atlas, and through our Patreon page. Visit repradio.org slash donate for more. Stay tuned. You know the rest. (laughs) 